today's text, Jesus raises his friend from the dead who's been dead for four days. Hmm. Is there significance to that four days? There is. We're going to jump into that in just a little bit. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. You've been gone? (laughs) I have been. Last week? Yeah. I mean, you've kind of been gone a lot. This summer? Well, I was I was in Norway the beginning of the summer, and then I was in Alaska this last week. Okay. Well, we'll allow uh, it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, you know, I, I tend to be gone a little bit more during the summer months, and yeah. uh, just because we want to put some other speakers on, you know, up on the platform as well, and get some of our younger guys uh, to to get their reps in. Right. Um, but honestly, uh, it's actually a good thing as far as too with leadership. It's like we, when you step away, people can kind of rise up, and that's definitely what. What you need to do. It's yeah, I've always wanted our church to be in a situation where I can be gone and it's not really noticed. And if it wasn't for between the lines, I think a lot of people wouldn't have known that I was gone. Sure. Uh, but you know, yeah. your mom and I are gonna be gone in September again. So I oh, yeah. know, sorry about that. Right. That's okay. We'll have to line up some I mean we had some great guests last yeah, week. I, I enjoyed last week. Yeah. I, I loved having your wife on and Joel yeah. was was Joel awesome. Was fun. And here we got Jack, man, Jack on Friday. Yeah. Wow, we yeah. man of many talents. Yeah, we we nice forced job. him on a little bit. I'd asked him before, and he was, he, but then he jumped on. Great, that's great. And of course, Jordan was on, which is fun. So, who did the? I got to know who did the sound engineering while Jack was talking. Jack, some you can, you know, he so can do both. He was fiddling with dials while that's he was right. talking. That's he was. great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are in John chapter eleven today. Actually, yesterday you would have been in John chapter eleven on Sunday, uh, but today we jump into the second half of John chapter eleven. This is the story of Jesus and Lazarus. Lazarus falls ill and dies. Jesus is not there, even though the family expected Jesus to come. Hey, it's your best friend. Why don't you come? Heal your best friend. But Jesus does not show up. He purposely so, stays away. Yeah. That's right. And so people are a little bit bothered by that. And now we jump in in verse 30. All right. You want me to start? Sure. Verse 30. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And which is the first reaction that we have when a tragedy takes place in our life. The first thing we do is we want to blame. And usually that blame goes towards God. That's an initial... And and yet this woman is still a woman of faith. Um, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? Now it's funny. Your translation says deeply moved. Mine says a deep anger welled up within him. And I've heard people kind of talk back and what Jesus, you know, back and forth about this. Is Jesus angry here or was he moved here? I tend to think he was more moved, not angry, because yeah. later on we do see that Jesus wept. You know, shortest verse in the Bible is in this chapter here, Jesus weeps. And so I think there is just some translation difficulty in this, but I don't, I guess personally for me, I don't believe that Jesus is yeah, and angry. I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad I accidentally had the wrong version on because my iPad was set for the church that I went to on Sunday Oh, okay. and they were using the ESV. So, which we, we do, we preach out of the ESV. Yeah. So I, that's why I was in the ESV, but the, the word itself simply is a word for emoting that there, there was emotion that was visible. That they mm-hmm. could see that something was bothering. So kind of like distress. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's good. All right. All right. So he uh, was deeply moved, or as it says in the NLT, that he was that he was angry. 
And verse 34. Uh, verse 34, it says, where have you put him? He asked. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. And we say that's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's the shortest verse in the English Bible. But uh, I think it just, just nails down the fact that Jesus was fully human. Yeah. And death is not something that is was God's original plan. And yet he knew that it was coming. But it is something that is horrible and awful and tragic. And yeah. God himself hates it. And, and I've had people ask, too, it's a great question. Why did Jesus weep if he knows that he can raise Lazarus from the dead? Why would you weep over that? Uh, it's like what you just said, though, that Jesus is fully human. And he's also he's caught up around his his really close friends who are all weeping. He loved Lazarus. You know, Lazarus is his best friend. This is a very sad moment. He's he's in the moment with people, and there's lots of emotions. And you see this this side of the, the human part of him. Yeah, and it's death itself because Jesus also knew that while he was going to raise Lazarus, <laughs> Lazarus was going to die again. And it, it's just the and and it also reminded Jesus that his own death was impending. Death was is just a horrible. It's an unnatural thing. And it is going to move all of us. All right, we'll continue on. And um, I always Verse 36. I my place every time. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And yeah, he could have. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave, you know, angry or... Or moved, again. distressed. Yeah. yeah. A cave with a stone across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Now, I just want to touch on this four days here because um, I, I just heard something about this four days that I, I find fascinating. Uh, there's a reason that there's four days here in the text. There's a Jewish tradition during this time that when a body died, the spirit, now th this isn't true, we, we don't know this. It's not necessarily like this is how, this is truth, but this is what they believed. Yeah. That the spirit would hover over the body for a few days, three days. Um, and some of it goes back to Elijah and Elisha when there was uh, a boy was raised from the dead. So they'd say, well, the spirit is hovering just in case a prophet comes within the three days. But after three days, the the spirit no longer recognizes the body and then it goes away. So that's just like a, it was a common belief during this time. I'm not saying it's reality. It was just a common belief during this time. So at this point, when, when it says four days, it means there's just no hope of a, you know, a prophet coming by and the spirit's not even hovering over the body anymore. The body is dead, dead. Hmm. Yeah, which is interesting. I guess I, I look, I, I'm, I'm seeing this more as a middle schooler, grade schooler when I was a kid because... <laughs> When um, it, I, we used the King James Version, in, I went to a parochial school, and I remember reading it, and it said, he stinketh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's been dead for four days, he stinketh. Yeah. And so everybody would giggle. <laughs> but Jesus was going to bring him back from the dead either way. So uh, she says he's been dead for four days, and this is bothering him or bothering her. And verse 40, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will still believe that you sent me. In other words, he's saying, I'm talking to you out loud right now, God, because there's people listening to me and I want them to hear what I'm talking to you about. Right. 
And uh, I don't even need to do this because we're, we already have this connection. But then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Yeah. I love it. You want to pick it up? Get those grave clothes off. You're yeah. not dead any longer. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that yeah, verse 45, we continue on. It says, Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And Jesus just raised a dead man. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation because they're still seeing the Messiah as being a very political figure. Yeah. He's a threat to Rome and then Rome will come in because they have their Messiah and, and destroy everything. And obviously they don't really believe Jesus is the Messiah because if they believed he was the Messiah, they would have been elated yeah. because that means he would deliver them from Rome. They're trying to control the situation. Verse 49 says, Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. It's like, let's just get rid of this Jesus before Rome comes in and kills everybody. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at the time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim and stayed there with his disciples. It was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration, and many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so that they could go through the purification ceremony before Passover began. They kept looking for Jesus, but as they stood around in the temple, they said to each other, what do you think? He won't come for Passover, will he? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so they could arrest him. So you imagine, you know, if it was an old Western film, you'd have most wanted pictures of Jesus yeah. hanging around town. And, yeah. In fact, as I picture this scene, I'm, I'm hearing ominous music in the background. Yeah, right. That this yeah. plot is shifting here because they're coming after Jesus. Yeah, yep. All of this was God's plan. It's a, it, it, does, it highlights how people have not changed over the thousands of years, and we still see that kind of plotting and scheming that goes on in our world today. Well, let's switch over to Psalm 73. Yeah. And uh, this is this is a psalm, or it's one of the psalms, but this one I think highlights it more than any of the others, where David talks about the difficulty that we have when we see evil people that are prospering. In fact, he says, beginning of verse 1, he says, God's been good to us in verse 2, but as for me, I came so close to the edge of the cliff. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. I, I was ready to drop over the side of this cliff. Why? Because I envied the proud and I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. And then he goes on and, and he spends a lot of time talking about how he was horrible this way, that he yeah. was, and he said, I was foolish and ignorant. It was terrible that I was this way. And in fact, he gets to, to this one place. Well, can I just point out before you point out that yeah. one thing, Dad? We talked about this psalm a couple of weeks ago in a sermon that this is one of the most raw psalms mm -hmm. in scripture because it just, it feels like, even look around you, it feels like the wicked are winning. People who do the wrong thing, who cut the corners, who cheat in business, they're getting away with it and they're prospering for it. And that's kind of what this author is getting at. Yeah. And and he said, truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them. So he says that eventually this is all going to get taken care of. But 
that they're that that God is this just one who is going to eventually. But what I want to focus on was how he talked about how this was sending him down this over this cliff and the the impact that he talks about, the impact that this was going to have on the younger generation, that because of his attitude, the younger generation were also going to be hurt. And so our focus has got to stay on Jesus no matter what. That Yeah, this, this world... Is all I, there was a story you told a couple of weeks ago about your daughters and when they were at this uh, unbelievably huge mansion and what your wife had said that this is all they get yeah. and so we should be happy for them that they're able to enjoy what we have but more than anything we should pray that they come to know Jesus we we have eternity in heaven with God forever yeah. and so let's not envy the people around us that may seem to have it better in this life yeah no I love the end of verse twenty five it says I desire you more than anything on earth. It's like they win, they get what they want, but I get you, and that's far better. We'll make it a good day today. Have a great Monday, and we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.